0: Public Safety Minister Marco Mendicino took the stand on Day 28 of the Emergencies Act hearings and he revealed that he was aware that the Freedom Convoy did not pose a threat to national security as is required in the Act. Also, convoy lawyer Brendan Miller was ejected from the building by the Commissioner, a first at the Emergencies Act hearings.
1: An Ottawa School Board meeting turned into a gong show as a motion asking all students, teachers, and staff be required to mask indefinitely was to be voted on.
0: And a new study shows more Canadian parents are choosing alternatives to public education. Hello Canada, it's Wednesday, November 23rd, and this is the True North Daily Brief. I'm Anthony Fury.
1: And I'm Sue Levy.
0: We've got you covered with all the news you need to know. Let's discuss the top stories of the day and the True North exclusives you won't hear anywhere else. On day 28 of the Emergencies Act hearings, Public Safety Minister Marco Mendicino testified that he was aware that the convoy actually did not pose a threat to national security as is required in the act. Here's what that sounded like. I suppose the question would be, Minister, were you aware that it had been concluded that Section 2 of the CSIS Act was not met? Was, uh, sorry, what is the date of this note? i'm afraid i don't know well look le- leaving that aside uh, yes it I says was, it's before the speech monday morning which okay. is the date that they announced the invocation that might assist okay uh yes i, I was aware that cesis had concluded that section two under the cesis act uh was not met i was aware of that fact Now, this is relevant because in order for the government to be justified in invoking the Act, the government must first conclude that a threat to national security, as defined by Section 2 of the CSIS Act, is met. Yet, Marco Mendicino maintained the position that just because the definition of a threat to the security of Canada wasn't met, well, based on interpretation of the legislation, the government indeed made the right call. Meanwhile, convoy lawyer Brendan Miller repeatedly clashed with Commissioner Paul Rouleau over his frustration that a decision to unseal previously redacted documents pertaining to Mendicino's testimony had taken too long, and he said it negatively interfered with his ability to cross-examine the witness, so as a result, Rouleau ejected Miller from the building before eventually allowing him to return to cross-examine. Mendicino. Commission Council has not completed her. I understand but sir, and your council's advised you that. Um, no, I, I know you've directed. I'm, sorry, you wanted the I'm application. sorry. I'm speaking. Yes, sir. Um, the application, if you want to do it, you've been advised it's to be done in writing. Not in the middle of the presentation. Sir, we filed two motions in writing at your direction that you've refused to rule on with respect to the redaction of documents from the government of Canada. You're speaking. That has not been ruled on and been filed for days. I will take a break while uh, you're asked to leave. I will return in five minutes if uh, security could deal with the council. Sue Ann, I got to be honest, my head is left spinning a little talking about Mendicino's justification, acknowledging that no, they didn't pose a threat, but oh wait, I interpreted it in a certain way, so they did pose a threat. I mean, what's going on here?
1: Well, everybody seems to be tripping over themselves to say that no, they didn't pose a threat. I mean, we've seen a succession of witnesses um, from the public service, from The cabinet ministers, like Mendicino, tripping over each other to say, "Well, it wasn't really a threat according to law, but we perceived it to be a threat." threat." And you know, it stands in my mind. It stands makes me think that a, they're trying to protect Justin Trudeau, and b, that this decision was made on the fly out of petulance more than anything.
0: Good way to put it, petulance, because I know we also heard that. A lot of people in cabinet were just frustrated that this whole situation made them look bad. And okay, fair enough. I guess it did humiliate them or what have you. But does that rise to a national security threat bringing in the War Measures
1: Act? Well, no, because, you know, as you know, and I know, there have been many protests right across the country, you know, shutting down rail lines, uh, stopping uh, gas lines, pipelines. Um, We've never seen these kind of measures, and I mean, I can only think that it's because these people were, you know, perceived conservatives or people who were against liberal ideology, who were against the mask mandates, the vaccine mandates, the extreme measures that didn't have to be put in place. So, you know, I guess that tells you that when you protest something that the government agrees with you're fine you can do whatever you want but when you protest and embarrass the government well then strict measures have to be brought in pretty sad statement about our country right now don't you think
0: yeah no kidding
1: oh my god the mask police are back in action, or at least they're trying to be back in action, at the Ottawa Carleton District School Board. Led by mask-obsessed Ottawa doctor and newly elected trustee, Nilly Kaplan Mirth, trustees discussed a motion last night at a special emergency board meeting asking that all students, teachers, and staff be required to mask indefinitely. The meeting turned into a yelling match, a yelling match between parents and trustees, which resulted in a number of recesses and individuals being ejected by the police, by the police. As chairman, new chairman and transgender trustee, the first in Canada, Lyra Evans was unable to manage the meeting. So they called the police, the meeting was eventually adjourned because all of these recesses made them run out the clock and Kaplan-Murth's motion was put on hold until a next meeting to be determined. Her motion asks that the mask requirements stay in place until Ottawa Public Health deems the flu season over in Ottawa and until the Children's Hospital of Eastern Ontario Pediatric ICU has an occupancy of less than 85% over at least two weeks. We also heard that they're using the the fact that there were wait times of up to 13 hours at the hospital ER, which strikes me as a hospital problem, not a COVID problem. The motion did not pass, so we don't know whether this order will commence or when it'll commence. And the, the trouble with it is that it was determined to be indefinite in other words, the trustees will decide when they lift the mask order. You know, it's it's crazy. They, they talked about the fact that they couldn't really, the logistics of putting this in place seemed phenomenal. You know, they talked about, well, can kids wear them on buses? What kind of rules would be put in place, enforcement will be put in place, which is nearly impossible for those who were not wearing masks, whether it be teachers or students. It was just a giant gong show, Anthony. And I'm not sure why they even got involved in this in the first place. It was a huge time waster. I've never seen trustees behave so badly in all my years, or certainly they rivaled the Toronto School Board for bad behaviour last night.
0: That really says something, Sue because I know you've been watching school board issues for many years in Toronto and across Ontario. Two things that, that I learned about last night's hearings, I wasn't watching it in detail like you were, but I saw uh, things crop up, and I did catch a couple minutes of it, that only 10% of students are voluntarily choosing to wear masks right now in Ottawa school boards, which tells you oh. this mandate is about forcing 90% of people to do something that they've already signaled they don't want to do. Wow, that's quite something. And also, Dr. Vera Etches, she's the chief medical officer for Ottawa, she made a submission where it was kind of Uh, I don't know, diplomatically worded, but she was basically saying, well, I support recommending mask use, basically making it clear she does not support bringing in a mandate. So this exercise was so dramatic, as you detailed, in terms of the police removing people, a lot of people passionately against it. Why can't people like uh, trustee Dr. Nilly Kaplan-Mirth just get over it already? This is not worth the turmoil that it is causing.
1: Well, I think she realized that to a certain extent last night because she kept backing down on certain provisions of the motion. I truly feel that after last night, it is, it is going to fail. But the other interesting thing, Anthony, was that the parents finally, finally stood up and said how they felt, which tells me that they've been pushed so to the edge in Ottawa. I don't understand why they voted or certain people voted Dr. Kaplan-Mirth into office, because. This was her agenda from the get-go, but the people were so frustrated that they turned up to this meeting in droves um, and exercised their democratic rights. Not that they were allowed to because they were thrown out of the meeting, but it was interesting that parents actually showed how upset they were. And, and I think that is a move in the right direction, frankly.
0: Well, speaking of the way parents are heading and what direction they want to take schools in Ontario, that's a good segue for our next story. According to the think tank Cardis, more Canadian parents are choosing alternatives to public education. A new study has found that the number of independent schools in Ontario has grown by 52% since 2013. The report, titled Naturally Diverse, the Landscape of Independent Schools in Ontario, found that there are at least 1,445 independent schools throughout Ontario. And in total, independent schools saw a surge of just about 30,000 new students from 2013 to 2020. So according to the latest available data, there are over 150,000 students enrolled in an independent school throughout the province. Now, as per the Education Act, private or independent schools in Ontario, quote, do not receive any funding or other financial support from the provincial government. Now, according to Our Kids, that's the Directory of Private Independent Schools in Canada, Average tuition costs range from $6,000 to $12,000 a year. More prestigious schools, what we typically think of as private schools, can cost up to $50,000 a year or more. Suanne, I find this very interesting, particularly on the heels of so much labor strife in Ontario, where a lot of parents are saying, we feel like there's got to be a better way.
1: Yeah, well, Anthony, you know, when I covered education 20 years ago, there was a drift towards Uh, private or independent schools. Um, And so this is not in the least bit surprising because of the labor strife, not just the labor strife, because back then, 20 years ago, there was a ton of labor strife. What I think I attribute this to is the uh, woke gender ideology and critical race theory, anti-racism education that trustees and school board administrators and teachers are ramming down students' throats. It's just outrageous at a young age. So I mean parents are just quite you know naturally or obviously just frustrated and upset that their kids aren't getting a basic education. More money is being spent than ever per student on public education and they're graduating unable to read, write, add, subtract, divide, or multiply. And that is a stunning indictment of our public education system.
0: Now, Alberta has charter schools, not many, however, they are expanding the number available. And charter schools are being maligned by uh, education union activists as these private schools for wealthy people. That's certainly not the case at all. Uh, There are opportunities where you can sort of take your individualized funding that would would carry with you in the public school and instead take it to Uh, A school that is more specialized and that is created uh, by people outside of the traditional public school board. There is some pressure for Ontario to allow charter schools. Do you think it should happen, Sue Ann? And and I guess also importantly, do you think it will happen?
1: I think it should happen. Whether it will happen uh, really remains to be seen. I highly doubt it. I don't mean to sound pessimistic, but the teachers' unions are so powerful in Ontario, and they're the ones who would hold it back because, of course, they would lose control over the schools and over the school boards, which they have now. I mean, charter schools are a wonderful answer. Competition is sorely needed in the school systems, particularly in the Ontario school system. I've watched in the last year as board, after board, after board, during the pandemic and post-pandemic snuck in all these curriculum uh, revisions and nothing to do with the basics of academics. And, you know, uh, the teachers' unions are going to fight tooth and nail to keep charter schools out of Ontario. And that's sad because they always say it's all about the kids, but it's not. It's about their union numbers, their pay, their perks. It always has been and always will be.
0: That's it for today. And don't forget to check in at www.tnc.news throughout the day for all the news you need to know. And if you're able, please consider supporting independent media at donate.tnc.news. Thanks for listening and have a great day.